Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Morning, everybody. Welcome. It's good to see you all. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to our online audience. And uh, just before we start, right, I just need to uh, tell you that this seriously feels like deja vu. In the sense that a couple of months ago when I preached, the Sunday before that, Nicholas was preaching. And I don't know if you can remember, but he dissed me quite a lot, right? And I, I, I don't know if you can remember, but he spoke about uh, the anointing. And he said that you can't touch God's anointed because God will take you out, right? So it, uh, it restricted the way I wanted to respond to him. And I don't know if you can remember what happened last week Sunday. I was sitting right here and I took bullets, right? My tail was between my legs. And what does he preach on? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Do you understand how I'm feeling? And Jesus speaks something about 70 times 7. Nicholas, I just want to tell you that that total is very, very close. I don't know what that total is, but I just feel it. It's very, very close. So now that I've got that out the way, Nicholas, bless you. I love you. And uh, this morning... I'm going to speak about, uh, about character. And it's something that's been on my heart lately. And, uh, and it might be a challenging topic for some of you. It definitely was for me when I was preparing. You know, this simple nine-letter word called character tells me everything I need to know about you. This simple nine-letter word character will test you. This simple nine-letter word character describes what you are. Most importantly is that Jesus took this word very, very seriously. So this morning, I'm going to try and explain what character is practically in many different ways and hopefully touch your heart on the importance of character. You know, when we describe a person with good character or a person with a shady character, we're actually using modern ways to describe the person. But you know that character has got an interesting history. Like everything, character can be traced back to the Greek, right? And you know that character was actually a tool used for engraving. In other words, to leave a mark. The word then later evolved to mean a mold, when you make an exact impression on the real thing. It was only in the 17th century that the word character was actually used to refer and to describe people. Sure, what are you saying? This is what I'm saying. Listen up. Character is the mark that you're going to leave. Character is a commitment to a set of values without compromise. Your values are influenced by your belief system. So what you believe in, you value. If you, ma- if you value your marriage vows... You'll stay faithful to your spouse and you won't commit adultery. So you can see that your values help produce character. You all remember what happened to Joseph? Right? Potiphar's wife constantly wants his beef. The whole time. Go read it up. The whole time. Right? And he's trying to dodge her left, right, and center. And on one occasion, he's in her house doing his business, he's working there alone, and she throws herself at him. And he had a choice that he had to make. What does he do? He chooses to run for the door. Every time Joseph was tested, 
He had to decide what he values more. Does he value sexual pleasure by sleeping with her? Or does he value not sinning against God? Joseph chose God. Went to prison for something he didn't do. Samson, you guys all know Samson, right? Gifted with strength, like immense strength. But he had a weak eye for beautiful women. All right? And he made a lot of bad decisions. Got into trouble for a lot of it. And when I look at Samson's life, his character was inconsistent a lot of the time. Character is a commitment to a set of values without compromise. Nobody made Joseph run. Nobody made Samson stay. The choice is always up to you. You are the creator of your own character. So what values have you set for your life? What standards have you set for your life? You know, a person, a person of character doesn't live on what is popular. They live on what is principal. And that's why it's so hard for politicians to have character. But because politics is based on popularity. It's a little joke. It's a little joke. But sometimes if you base character on, on popularity, you might sacrifice your character for popularity, which means you've just cancelled out your character, which means you can't be trusted. If you don't have character, people will not trust you. If you don't have character, people will not follow you. You know, it is said that smart people are admired, wealthy people are envied, powerful people are feared, but only people of character can be trusted. Genesis 1, right? God creates man, but the first thing that God gives man is not power. The first thing that God gives man is not image. The first thing that God gives man, sorry, is not dominion, but the first thing that God gives man is, power, is image and likeness. God says, I'm first going to create you my image and my likeness. And then I'll give you power and dominion. Likeness are characteristics of him. Because we have likeness, God says, I can trust you. How many people do you know today are leaders with power but have got no character? Power without character can destroy you. You know, sometimes people say that power corrupts, but that's not necessarily true. Power simply reveals corruption. You were already corrupted. You just got a chance to show it. Character is self-imposed discipline for the sake of moral conviction. And I can hear my wife saying, Charles, just give me an easy version. Happy, happy. A person of character doesn't need the police because they'll police themselves based on conviction, based on values, based on what they believe in. Character is a constant choice to integrate your words and your actions as one. To integrate means to become one. A person without character says one thing, does another thing, and then promises something else. So when you speak to them, you actually don't know who you're speaking to. Character is how you choose to relate to other people. Think about that. It's your choice on how you relate to other people. Character is integrity. Integrity and integrate mean the same thing. 
Integrity is to become one with yourself, to become true with yourself. You're not the same today and then tomorrow you're someone different. You're not um, at 2 a.m. the same person and at 10 p.m. someone else. Anyone can say that they have integrity, but you know what? Action is a true indicator. Your walk talks, and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Did you guys get that? Did you guys get that? Must I wrap it for you? So when you say something, you actually want to do it, and you do it because you actually are it. Character is to lead with your life. Your life is the weight of your words, not the other way around. Too often, the problem is we are too often impressed by our language, right? The way we can say things, the deep things that we can say, the way we can preach and listen. But character is to lead with your life. It's like a salesman trying to sell me diamonds but doesn't wear any. I'm not going to trust a person who doesn't use what he's selling. Your words, my words, mean nothing. But character will protect your words. Do you know that there is no such thing as a private life? There is no such thing as a personal life when it comes to character. Don't tell me it's none of my business what you do in private. It is my business because it determines whether I can trust what you say in public. And guys, context is important, right? Context is important. But a person of character doesn't care if someone finds out about their private life. But as soon as you start doing something with a hope that no one finds out, you're placing your character in danger. So watch out for the double standards. Watch out for the double life. Watch out for the character gap. Watch out for the double value. Do you know why men like superheroes like Batman and Superman? Because they've got two characters. Every Superman has got a Clark Kent trapped on the inside. Every Batman has got a Bruce Wayne somewhere. And you know, every Samson should have a Joseph on the inside. A person of character doesn't need to speak. They don't need to talk. They simply just show up. They just rock up. Why? Because their life speaks for them. Their character protects their words. So we have to pay attention to the issue of character. If we want this nation to be successful, if we want this country, if we want our leaders, if we want our businesses to be successful, you have to have character. Because people will trust you and they'll follow you. And character tells me exactly what you are. We need to listen to Africa. Character is doing what is right because it's right. Character is not doing what is right because it's right when everyone is watching. Character is doing what is right because it's right even when no one is watching, even when no one is around you. Listen to this ultimate definition of character. What you do when no one is watching, that's character. What you do when no one is watching, that's character. Must I state it differently? The measure of a person's character is what he would do if he knew no one would ever find out. What is the excellence of gold? It's purity. 
What is the excellence of art? It's beauty. What is the excellence of a man? His character. Character is something that you hold tight on the inside. That people see in you on the outside. Character is the evidence that will be displayed on the outside. What's on the inside will come out. Christians are faced with many challenges in their life. And that's going to produce character. Life throws challenges at you, right? Delays, disappointments, challenges, opportunities, successes, failures, all of that stuff. And you have to make a decision every single day. Those decisions lead to actions. Those actions lead to habits. And what do habits do? It's going to form your character. Oh, and I glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Crisis doesn't necessarily make character. Not necessarily. Crisis doesn't necessarily make character, but it does reveal character. The adversaries of the life that you guys go through is simply a crossroad at which you have to choose one path, at which you have to make one decision, compromise or character. The difference between talent and character, in case you were wondering, is talent is what gets you to the top, character is what will keep you at the top. Talent is a gift, character is a choice, it's a constant choice that you have to make. In fact, you create character every time you make a decision, whether it's a shady character, whether it's a good character. And God says, I call before you heaven and earth as a witness this morning. And I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And God says, man, I wish you would choose life. That's his desire. Character is what you are in the dark. It's what you are when you are tempted. It's what you are when you are tested. It's what you are when no one is looking. Character is not the same as reputation. Reputation is what people think you are, which may or may not be true. Character is what you really are. So character counts everywhere all the time because it's decisions that you have to make on a daily basis. What are some of the character traits, just to close it off? It includes things like integrity, Honesty, faithfulness, keeping your word, excellence, perseverance, kindness, goodness, self-control, meekness, gentleness, merciful, courage, compassion. Doesn't that sound a lot like the fruit of the Spirit? And so hopefully you've taken one or two things that you like on what character practically means. Because now we're going to the importance of character. Open your Bibles and go with me to Galatians chapter 5. From verse 16. Galatians 5. From verse 16. I'm going to read other New King James. Is everyone there? Martin, we're just waiting for you. Just kidding, Martin. It's very quiet this morning. Okay, I'm going to start. Galatians 5, verse 16. I'm reading out of the New King James. 
I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 19. Now the works of the flesh. What's interesting is that in the NIV it speaks about the acts of the flesh. This is just how flesh acts. My flesh, your flesh, everyone's flesh falls in this category. It's just how flesh acts. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. We all know exactly what that is, right? Like it covers the married and the unmarried in simplistic terms. Okay? Uncleanness. Uncleanness can relate to filthiness of the heart or the mind, like lustful thoughts. Lewdness. Some of your translations might say debauchery. I don't know. But, but it is excessive indulgence in sensual pleasure. So it can be anything where your flesh controls you excessively. Like when you watch pornography. When you start, you just don't want to stop. I'm just being real. Verse 20. Idolatry. Where you worship something else. Sorcery. Some of your translations will say which, witchcraft. That's where you manipulate something to get what you want out of the, the situation. Hatred. Contentions. Contentions are self-seeking disputes. It's like where you want to be number one no matter what the cost. It's like extreme selfishness. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Dissensions are disagreements that lead to disunity in the church. So when you're constantly arguing, when you're constantly sowing seeds of disunity, the Bible calls that dissensions. Heresies. Your translations might also say something like factions. That's where a person makes their own opinion to be the absolute truth. And they deliberately cause, um, they create these groups, these, these little cliques, these sects, to create disunity or division. Verse 21. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. What is revelries? It's wild parties with lots of booze, okay, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a difference between practice and weakness. Okay, got to remember that. And now we're going to get to verse 22, verse 22 the, the fruit of the Spirit. And what's great is that the fruit of the Spirit is designed to neutralize the acts of the flesh, so if you yield to what is positive, you automatically fight less of what's negative. When you pursue the fruits of the Spirit, you will not walk in the acts of the flesh. When you pursue the fruits of the Spirit, it will deliver you from the acts of the flesh. When you pursue the fruits of the Spirit, it will cancel the call and the pull of the acts of the flesh. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering is also patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let's, let's, let's stop there for now. Whenever you've seen fruit, right, you must know that there has been relationship. Fruit can't produce on its own. Fruit must be connected to a branch, and a branch connected to the vine. You can't have a baby by yourself. And so when we have the fruits of the Spirit, who are the parents of that fruit? That's such a good question. Who are the parents of the fruit that you are bearing? In Romans chapter 8, listen to this. It says that God's Spirit dwells 
in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So every time you are led by the spirit, every time you allow his spirit to connect with your spirit, because you are spirit, you live in a body and you have a soul, every time you allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your next decision, the offspring of that union, the fruit of the Spirit. What does that mean, Charles? The fruit of the Spirit reveals characteristics of what He is like. It is the upward expression of the holy character of God in the believer, and Jesus was just like the Father. Charles, what are you saying? Listen, listen, listen. The fruit of the Spirit reveals the character of Jesus. The depth of his character marked his life. Remember what you said about character in the beginning when you related to Greek? It's to leave a mark. It's to make a mark. His character left such a mark that the outcasts were drawn to him. The tax collectors were drawn to him. The fishermen were drawn to him. The broken, the lame, the ugly, the, the, the disgusted, the unclean were drawn to him. Heck, even the religious leaders and hypocrites were drawn to him. Jesus represented the Father. And when you are led by the Spirit, you represent the very character of Jesus. In one of his final conversations with his disciples, Jesus uses, um, he speaks about the importance of bearing fruit, right? And he uses this analogy to describe the importance of the relationship that must exist between the Holy Spirit and the believer for Christ-likeness to be produced. He says, my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine and we are the branches. If any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit and my father will be glorified. Have you noticed that when a tree bears fruit, that it never brings the fruit to you. When a tree bears fruit, it does not bring the fruit to you. What happens is you are attracted to the tree. The fruit of the Spirit, listen, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is His character, which God develops on the inside, to be displayed on the outside. So when people taste, and they see the fruit, and they see that it's good, they're attracted to the Jesus on the inside. Because it's his character that you are displaying on the outside. Every time you choose character, you choose Jesus. And what happens? He gets the glory. Now, before you get a big head and you think that you're good looking, that people like you for who you are, ask yourself, do people like me for me or do people like the Jesus inside of me? Say to your neighbor this morning, do you like me or do you like my fruit? And fathers, husbands, you better be careful how you answer because next Sunday is Father's Day. I'm just saying, if you want something, watch how you answer. Do you like me? Or do you like my fruit? Is this beneficial for anyone this morning? <laughs> then you're just a character, Warren. 
then you're just a character. <clears throat> I'm not saying that you won't experience tem temptation. But what I am saying is that you're no longer controlled by it. It's like when Jesus told the lame man after he healed him to pick up his bed and walk. The only difference between the lame man before he got healed and after he got healed was that at one stage the bed was carrying him. After he got healed, he was carrying the bed. What used to control you, what used to make your decision, what used to dominate you, it might still be knocking on the door, but it's no longer making the decision. Why? Because you are led by the Holy Spirit. You have got a choice. Compromise or character. You have the choice. And what does God say? Oh, that you may choose life. On a different point, on a different point. The Spirit of God is not just there for the manifestation of gifts. He's also there for the, for the development of fruit. You know, us Pentecostals can spend a lot of time talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Us Charismatic can, can spend a lot of time, give a lot of air time to the gifts of the Spirit. You know, everyone nowadays is a prophet. We reach out, we grab the term, but we don't know what it means. We can celebrate the gifts, but we underplay the fruit. We can prophesy, we can speak in tongues, we can give a word of knowledge here, we can give a word of wisdom there, we can do miracles. But when we go home, our wives and our kids need to duck for cover. Beware of the double life. Look, don't get me wrong, I believe in the gifts. It's biblical. It's very, very important because it serves a purpose. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says that if you have all the gifts, every single one, but you don't have love, you are nothing. Next. You're like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You're just making noise. Paul says, between the gift and the fruit, between the gift and love, the fruit outweighs the gift every single time. You know what's interesting? You never hear people shout for joy when the fruit of the Spirit is operating in their life. You don't see it on Facebook. You don't see it on, is it Instagram? Instagram? You don't see it on people's business cards. But what you see is senior apostle, senior, senior prophet, senior pastor. That's what we see. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you've never operated in the gifts, if you have never operated in the gifts, but you love people, you would have had the greatest thing that you could ever have. Which is love. The greatest thing you could ever have is love. But you know what's sad? That's the one thing people are not interested in doesn't get the airtime like the healing. doesn't get the airtime like the word that was received. Please understand, people, I believe in the gifts. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I just make noise. And so, last thing before I close off, go to Exodus chapter 39. It's after Genesis. Exodus 39. 
uh, from verse 22. 22 to 26, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Exodus 39. Now just some context leading up to this, from verse 22 to 26. Is that from chapter um, 24 to chapter 32, Moses is spending 40 days and 40 nights with God on top of a mountain receiving the law and the commandments. And at the same time, God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to appoint Aaron as the first high priest. And Moses, I want you to design garments for his consecration. I want you to design something specific for my high priest. Now, at the same time, while this is happening there, the Israelites come to Moses and they say, Moses, we don't know what happened. Uh, sorry, they, they come to Aaron and they say, Aaron, we don't know what happened to Moses. Please make us an idol, make us a god. So Aaron tells him to take off the jewelry. He melts it and out comes a golden calf. Right? And to celebrate this golden calf, they hold a feast. Right? So they party and they booze. And the word actually says, and they indulge in revelry. Do you remember what revelry is? It's a wild party with lots of booze. Now, I don't know about you, but when the heat is on, and there's a party and the booze is flowing, the only thing, you're, you're not just having a feast. Anyway, it's a nightmare. God wants to take them out. Moses intervenes for, for them. Chapter 34, God makes a new covenant with his people. That's the context. Fast forward to, to, to our text. Listen how Aaron's robe must be designed. Listen to this. Then Bezalel made the robe of ephod, of woven work, all of blue. There was an opening for the head in the middle of the robe, like the opening in a coat of armor, with a hem around it, so that it would not be frayed or torn. On the hem of the robe they made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet fabric, and fine twisted linen. Verse 25. They also made bells of pure gold, and put the bells between the pomegranates, around the hem of the robe, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, all the way around the hem of the robe for service and ministering just as the Lord had commanded. Okay, picture this, picture this. We have God who's on top of a mountain designing a robe for a guy who's down in the valley acting a fool. Aaron helped Moses lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He's leading, them, he's leading them into total chaos. Now you've got to understand, God knows all things. Picture this. He's designing a robe. And out of all the people in Israel that will allow him to come into his holy of holies, he chooses this joker right here. God, you want this guy to be your high priest? This failing, faltering backsliding, stumbling God to be your high priest. And what does God say? I want that guy. Why does God choose Aaron? It's the smartest move. If it was me, I would have chosen a guy who never failed, who never faltered, who kept the commandments, who didn't make mistakes. I would have chosen him. God chooses Aaron because no matter what the Israelites came to him for and confessed, he could never turn up his nose because he remembered himself. That Aaron could be moved by their iniquity, by their sin, by their shortcoming because he remembered his open sin. He could move the heart of God 
because he remembered his own wretchedness. And so while God is designing his garment, tailoring his garment, and on the hem of his robe, they made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet, and they made bells of pure gold. And between the bells, they put fruit, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. Shaul, what, what does it mean, a bell and a pomegranate? Listen, listen. What does a bell do? It tinkles. It makes noise. Right? It tinkles. It makes noise. It's like the gifts of the Spirit sometimes. It's noisy. But what prevented it from becoming sounding brass or a clanging cymbal was that between every fruit or between, or between every gift, there was a fruit. A gift and a fruit. A gift and a fruit. A bell and a pomegranate. A bell and a pomegranate. The more gifting you have, the more loving you need to be. The higher God takes you, the more humble you have to be. The more pressure you're under, the more peace you need to have. The more God blesses you, the more kind you need to be. The more goodness you need to show. The more you're tempted, the more self-control you need to have. His fruit will balance out your gift. So don't focus on the calf and the nakedness and what you've been catching up to lately. Focus on what he wants to do with you. Focus on where he wants to take you. Focus on where he wants, what he wants to do with your life. There's more to life than what you're going through right now. And trust me, his gifts, sorry, his, his fruit, his fruit will get you to where he wants to take you. A bell and a pomegranate. A gift and a fruit. And so in closing, it's not about who makes it to the top first. It's about him who makes it to the end. Will you still be the same person with the same character 10 years from now? That's my question to you. That's my question to me. Will you still be standing when the temptations have passed? Because your character is only as strong as the temptation that you fall for. Character is not developed out of your own strength. This is what you have to get. It's developed by leading, by him leading you. And when you get to a crossroad in your life, remember those challenges that you will face? And you have to choose between character and compromise? Sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to make a mistake. Sometimes we're going to fail. But you have to know this, that God is not disappointed in you. God has never been disappointed in you. God hates sin. We might make his heart sad. But you've got to remember this. Everyone turn around and look at that cross. Look at that cross behind you. Every time God sees you, that's what he sees. You have to remember that. Every time he sees you, that's what he sees. 
that is a second chance. And so your mindset should be, your, your, your mindset should, should be that every time I make a mistake, it's a stepping stone to step higher. That should be your attitude. Character is not built overnight. No one is born with good character. Do you know that fruit takes time to grow? But, but, every time you choose His way, every time you choose His guidance, every time that you are led, you actually choose Him. You choose His character. Lead with your life. Because you are the only Bible many people will ever read. And every time you choose love, and every time you choose forgiveness, and every time you choose kindness, and every time you choose goodness, every time you choose faithfulness, every time you choose patience, every time you choose self-control and whatever else is left, because I can't remember now, but every time you choose the gift or the fruits of the Spirit, do you know what happens? Listen. His, his cup runs over. His heart is fulfilled. And you say, why? This is the reason why. Because that's what he does. That's who he is. Every time you choose character, you choose Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.